Welcome to journeywithjesus.net, a weekly webzine for the global church. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin. My essay this week is called Choosing the Better Part, Jesus at the Home of Mary and Martha. It's based upon the lectionary reading for Sunday, July 21st, 2013. The many different Marys of Jesus continue to capture the imagination of people today. Depending on how you parse the 50 references to Mary in the New Testament, there might be as many as seven of them. Chief among the Marys, of course, is the mother of Jesus, perhaps the most revered woman in the world. In New York City this summer, the Broadway show The Testament of Mary features this Mary. She's played by the actress Fiona Shaw of Harry Potter fame. The 90-minute monologue is based upon the 2012 novel of the same name by the Irish writer Colm Tobin. The second most famous Mary is the subject of an opera now playing in San Francisco. It's called The Gospel of Mary Magdalene. It's written and scored by Mark Adamo. Mary Magdalene might also be the subject of the second century Gospel of Mary, which was discovered in 1896. Although its fragmentary evidence has led scholars to disagree about the identity of the main character. <clears throat> After these two, there might be five more Marys in the New Testament. There's Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, Matthew 27, 56. Mary, the wife of Clopas, is mentioned only in John 19:25. She might be the so-called other Mary, mentioned in Matthew 28, verse 1. Luke mentions Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, Acts 12, 12. And Paul, in Romans 16, verse 6, commends Mary, who has worked hard for you. Finally, there's the gospel for this week from Luke chapter 10 about Mary of Bethany, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. For many centuries, some people identified, which is to say confused, Mary of Bethany with Mary Magdalene. Like Caravaggio in his famous painting, today most interpreters think that they are two different people. The three siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, are mentioned together three times. All three stories take place in their house in Bethany. They were clearly close friends and supporters of Jesus. First of all, they're mentioned together in the raising of Lazarus in John 11. In the next chapter, John 12, the three siblings host a dinner in their home for Jesus, at which Mary anoints Jesus. Then there's the gospel for this week, told only in Luke 10, when Mary and Martha host Jesus in their home. Lazarus is not mentioned in this story. 
The text reads as follows. <clears throat> now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village, where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The parable of the Good Samaritan that comes right before this story elucidates the second greatest commandment, to love our neighbor. The story of Mary and Martha commends the first greatest commandment, to love God. The story records the only time that Jesus rebuked a person for their devotion to him. Some people construe this story as privileging the contemplative life over the active life, but that's a false distinction. There's no reason to pit action against contemplation. We need both, and God calls people to both. Indeed, many activists are deeply contemplative, while many solitaries are fully engaged with the world. Instead of contrasting the active and contemplative styles of life, Luke contrasts Martha's distracted life, a word he uses two times, with Mary's centered life. How ironic that Martha's earnest acts of devotion precipitated aggravation and annoyance. The Trappist monk Thomas Merton spent 27 years cloistered in Gethsemane Monastery in rural Kentucky. His monastic life of silence and prayer invigorated his prophetic writings that spoke to the entire world, and that paradoxically turned him into a silent speaker and a celebrity in solitude. His solitude and contemplation fostered engagement with the world rather than any escape from reality. In the third century, some Christians abandoned the frenzy of the cities for the solitude of the desert. In monastic communities and as solitary hermits, they renounced the world, shed their possessions, and engaged in ascetic practices that today evoke incredulity. But this was no superficial quest. The real spiritual struggle took place in the interior of the heart and not in the exterior renunciation of material things. The outer geography of the desert was hard enough. The inner geography of the heart was harder still. Fighting hunger from fasting, or devoting one's sexuality to celibacy, were relatively simple compared to battling rage, unconscious urges, unsavory dreams, depression, 
regret, envy, superficiality, and lust. John Cassian of the 5th century once wondered why a monk who had renounced great wealth could get angry at a dull stylus. St. Hesychus of the 8th century observes that he who has renounced such thing as marriage, possessions, and other worldly pursuits is outwardly a monk, but may not yet be a monk inwardly. It's easy to be a monk in one's outer self if one wants to be, but no small struggle is required to be a monk in one's inner self. Withdrawing to the desert for contemplation is no guarantee of centeredness or any guaranteed protection against distraction. Dag Harmerschold famously observed that the longest journey is the journey inward. In our age of total information overload, it's no small struggle to move from the experience of Martha, distracted, agitated, and anxious, to Mary's quiet, centered interiority. But that's how and where we experience the love of God. Two poems in particular have helped me to follow Mary instead of Martha. In her poem called Today, Mary Oliver commends stillness as one of the doors into the temple. And in her poem, Let Your God Love You, Edwina Gately encourages us to do nothing, say nothing, and ask nothing, except to sense the immensity of God's love. That's what Mary did. In the words of Jesus, she chose the better part that was the one thing needful. For books this week, I review a collection of fiction short stories. The title is called 10th of December, and the author is George Saunders. New York, Random, 2013, 251 pages. George Saunders has earned numerous awards and bestseller status for his half-dozen books of short stories, essays, and novellas. In 2006, he won both a MacArthur Genius Grant and a Guggenheim Fellowship. Since 1997, he has taught creative writing at Syracuse University. I read this collection of 10 short stories after seeing an interview with Saunders on the PBS NewsHour. Many critics have noted the tragic comic tone and moral inquiry in much of his work. In the opening story called Victory Lap, for example, a teenager sees his next-door neighbor abducted from her home, but he can barely take any action because he's been so programmed for compliance by his overweening parents. He writes, his heart dropped at the thought of what he was letting happen. 
It was like a dream in which you can't take the simplest action. In another story called Spiderhead, convicts have gained release from prison by participating in a pharmaceutical experiment that manipulates their physical desires and emotions. And finally, exhortation takes a satirical shot at corporate life when Saunders writes a managerial memo to workers urging them to do their dehumanizing work with quote-unquote positive energy. The bizarre is also a common theme in Saunders' work, as in the story called The Simplica Girl Diaries. A 40-year-old man keeps an otherwise banal diary, except for his descriptions of the Simplica girls. These are immigrants who are bought and sold, given a medical procedure in which a microline is threaded through their head and then strung together as decorations on suburban front yards. Biting cultural commentary is also signature Saunders. In Home, a war vet struggles with returning home after combat duty. His, mother, his crazy mother says, he ain't himself. Look at him. Dave Eggers writes on the back cover of this book, There's no author I recommend to people more often than George Saunders. There is no one better, no one more essential to our national sense of self and sanity. That's high praise coming from Dave Eggers, but it's well deserved. <clears throat> Once again, the author, George Saunders, collection of ten short stories called Tenth of December. For movies this week, I review a film from 2013. It's called 42. 42 isn't a great movie, but it tells an incredible and important story. In 1945, Branch Rickey of the Brooklyn Dodgers Major League Baseball team decided to do the unthinkable and sign a colored player to his team. He seems to have had mixed motives. He thought he could sell more tickets. He regretted that in the past he had not done more. And, at least in this film version, he keeps mentioning his Methodist social activist convictions. Ricky had identified his perfect candidate, Jackie Robinson, the first athlete ever to letter in four sports at UCLA, and a commissioned officer in the Army. The movie covers Robinson's famous first season in 1947, when he not only broke the color barrier in baseball, but also won Rookie of the Year and led the Dodgers to the pennant. He wore number 42, the only number ever retired across all of baseball. 42, featuring Jackie Robinson. And finally, for poetry and prayers this week, we've posted another Celtic poem, or perhaps prayer, called The Gifts of the Three. It's originally from the Carmina Gedelica. 
and taken from Esther DeWall's wonderful book, The Celtic Vision. The Gifts of the Three Spirit, give me of thine abundance. Father, give me of thy wisdom. Son, give me in my need. Jesus, beneath the shelter of thy shield. I lie down tonight with the triune of my strength, with the Father, with Jesus, with the Spirit of might. The Gifts of the Three Thank you for joining us at journeywithjesus.net for Sunday, July 21st, 2013. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin.